A Rasmutin's National Telephone Survey finds that 74% of likely U.S. voters favor establishing term limits for all members of Congress. Another 13% are opposed, with another 13% undecided. Clearly, there is large popular support for term limits. After all, Mark Twain most likely said it best when he said politicians and diapers must be changed often, and for the same reason. This is the Free to be Free podcast, encouraging you to assert your liberty, because you are free to be free. Term limits definitely have a visceral appeal. There's that satisfaction in saying, let's throw the bums out. And this is understandable when you consider that throughout our history, there are seven congressmen who have served more than 50 years in office. A total of 53 have served more than 40 years. In fact, today, We have one who has served more than 50 years. That's John Conyers. There are another six who have served more than 40 years and another eight who have served more than 36. Clearly, that is a long time to be sitting in a very powerful and lucrative position. However, in reality, the issue of term limits is not that clear cut. If instead of looking at individual cases, We look at some overall statistics, you will find that in the House of Representatives today, the average representative has 9.4 years of experience. And over in the Senate, the average senator has been in office for 10.1 years. That doesn't sound as bad as the 40 and 50 years that I was talking about for some of the extreme cases. And in fact, if you really want to be a stats nerd, the median time of service in both the House and the Senate is actually at eight years, a little bit lower, and that's probably a better measure of the typical or normal amount of time served in the Congress. And again, that number doesn't sound like we have a big problem with length of service. However, 85% of Congress people seek re-election, and an incumbent has a 95% or better success rate at re-election. And this clearly appears to be an unfair advantage that accrues to an incumbent. On the other hand, it's interesting to note that the founders did not incorporate any type of term limits into the original writing of the Constitution. Now, most people know that after uh, four terms of election by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, an amendment was passed to limit a president's service to two terms. But why didn't the founders put any type of term limits into the Constitution? And they did have experience with this, after all, The Articles of Confederation uh, limited the terms of congressmen 
to three years in any period of six. This is Article 5 of the original Articles of Confederation. No state shall be represented in Congress by less than two or more than seven members, and no person shall be capable of being a delegate for more than three years in any term of six years. A couple interesting things about that. One is the founders didn't necessarily think in terms of lifetime term limits where you could only serve so many years during your lifetime and you're done. They thought more in terms of rotation in office and someone could serve in Congress for three years, have to take at least three years off, and then could serve again. It was this concept of a citizen legislature. But at any rate, this leads to an interesting question. If the founders had experience with this type of rotation in the Articles of Confederation, why didn't they include it in the Constitution? In fact, Thomas Jefferson was concerned about that, and in a letter he wrote this, I apprehend, too, that the total abandonment of the principle of rotation in the offices of president and senator will end in abuse. It's interesting, too, that he did not include the House of Representatives in his concerns. But if you look at the Constitution, I believe the way the founders were trying to address the problem is through having frequent elections every two years rather than term limits. Now, for members of the Senate, at that time, they were appointed by state legislatures rather than elected by the citizens, and perhaps the founders felt that that was sufficient accountability, and perhaps the states would have uh, the ability to put more pressure on a senator or threaten uh, recalling him if they didn't do their bidding properly. But, of course, this all changed with the ratification of the 17th Amendment in 1913, when the election of senators was turned over to popular vote. But it's my belief that the founders felt that those frequent elections every two years provided for the type of rotation in office that they were looking for as opposed to simply term limits. It's interesting, too, that a number of our state governments have excellent experience with term limits. There are 15 state legislatures which subject their state legislators to term limits. I, there are six additional states which had term limits instituted, but they were nullified. In two of the cases, they were voted out or nullified by the legislative branch themselves. And in the four others, there were courts which nullified the term limits uh, based on technicalities. But as of today, of the total state legislative seats, uh, senators and state representatives, about 26% are term limited. And of those 15 states, six of them use uh, lifetime term limits or a limit to the number of years someone can serve in their life. And then the other nine use some type of limit which in effect creates a rotation in and out of office. As a result of these state term limits, there are a total of 271 state legislators, 96 state senators, and 175 representatives who cannot run for re-election in 2018. This represents about 4% of the 6,066 total seats up for election in November of 2018. 
seems to be a pretty small portion. Also, when we talk about term limits, we shouldn't limit our thinking just to legislators. In fact, 36 states have some type of term limits for their governors. Uh, 28 of those states have a rotational scheme, and there are only eight which impose a lifetime limit on the number of years someone can serve as a governor. And also, we shouldn't limit our thinking just to the executive and legislative branches. There are actually 33 states and the District of Columbia which have mandatory retirement ages for the judiciary. Now, it's interesting that term limits aren't at play in any of these states, but they do have a mandatory retirement age, which ranges from anywhere from age 70 to age 90. Now, the Convention of States resolution calls for the ability of an Article 5 convention to discuss term limits not just for legislators, not just for the executive or the judiciary, but also other federal offices, uh, other bureaucratic positions. So this is something that I believe is going to be very worthwhile to discuss at a convention of states. In an earlier podcast, we discussed the simulated convention, which was held in the fall of 2016 by the Convention of States Project. And a product of that simulated convention was a term limits proposal. Uh, the one that passed applied just to, to federal legislators, the Congress and the House, and it limited any person to six terms in the House, which is a total of 12 years of service, and to two terms in the Senate, which is a total of 12 terms in the Senate. Now, a person could serve 12 years in each, ending up with a total of 24 years between the two. And the debate over this amendment was, was very revealing. On, on those opposed to it, and, and some of these came from states with experience with term limits, they felt that what that would term limits would do is reduce the, the amount of time for elected officials in the government and therefore tilt the power base over to the unelected bureaucratic positions. Uh, so perhaps a legitimate concern there, but then perhaps also an argument for imposing some type of term limits on key bureaucratic positions through an Article 5 Convention of the States. There's also another perhaps unintended consequence with regards to term limits to consider and I'll call that the lame duck problem. So I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of lame duck. Every uh, two years we have a lame duck Congress, right? Where uh, the elections are held in November, we know the results of the election, the Congress is still meeting, but there may be representatives who from uh, November until the beginning of January, a period of a couple of months, are lame ducks. They know they've been voted out of office, but that means um, although they have authority and the ability to vote, they don't have any accountability, and that can perhaps be a dangerous thing. Well, if you think about it, if you impose term limits, and let's use the Senate for an example, so if in the Senate we say there's a, a limit of two terms 
every senator who serves one term and is then reelected, they know they're not going to be able to run again in six years. So now what you have is a lame duck senator for a period of six years rather than just two months. And we'll have, we would have the same phenomenon in the House, except you would have a lame duck representative for a period of two years rather than what we experience today of two months. So th there is a counterbalancing argument to term limits. Uh, it, term limits could create a big lame duck problem. So my, my purpose in raising some of these points is not to advocate for or against term limits. And this is probably a good time to throw in my usual disclaimer that the Convention of States project itself does not support any specific amendments. What the project supports is the holding of an Article 5 convention for proposing amendments. And we really get to the point where we have to trust the process of state legislators getting together and using their experience to discuss these issues. The Convention of State Project certainly feels that term limits is um, an, an issue worthy of debate at an Article 5 convention. After all, it is in the resolution that that's within the scope of the convention that we're proposing. But the key issue here is that it's worthy of discussion in bringing the expertise of the state legislatures together with their experience with term limits in their own states, plus history and, and ideas regarding term limits in the federal government, that we could have a worthwhile debate and perhaps come, come up with some solutions which could address uh, both the issue of uh, incumbency, the power that an incumbent has for re-election, but perhaps find a way to do it without creating a bigger lame duck problem or ceding more power to unelected bureaucrats. I, I really like a quote from James Madison in Federalist 43. He's, he's talking about Article 5 of the Constitution and an Article 5 amendment, uh, convention for proposing amendments. And he said this, it moreover equally enables the general and the state governments to originate the amendment of errors, and he's talking about the Constitution, in the Constitution, the amendment of errors as they may be pointed out by the experience on one side or the other. And that key word to me in that quote is experience. We have experience with term limits, as I've laid out in a lot of our state governments. I, we have some federal experience I'd, when we had the Articles of Confederation. And it's worth bringing that experience to bear on the issue of term limits and having the discussion and perhaps coming up with some proposed amendments that address the problem. But we won't be able to address the problem until we are able to hold an Article 5 Convention of the States for proposing amendments. Because it, one thing is very clear, the federal government, Congress, will never propose an amendment to term limit themselves. It's a debate that just won't happen, and there, there will never be such an amendment coming out of the Congress. So it's up to us, self-governing citizens like you and me, to support the Convention of States. 
And the way you can do that is to go to conventionofstates.com and learn the issue for yourself and sign the petition to let your state legislatures know that you are ready to assert your liberty through an Article 5 Convention of the States. This is the Free to be Free podcast. I'm Paul Phillips. The opinions expressed are my own. You can learn more about the Convention of States project at conventionofstates.com. You can also find the Convention of States project on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. The first thing that you'll want to do at conventionofstates.com is to learn the issue for yourself. Then you'll want to sign the petition to let your state legislators know that you are ready to assert your liberty through an Article 5 Convention of the States. Until next time, stay free, my friends.